Welcome back to season three of the Creative Sober Podcast. I'm your host and sober creative, Missing May. Our episodes are a collection of interviews with sober creatives who inspire and continue to create sober. I find myself growing from these conversations as I deepen my understanding of living an alcohol-free life. In this episode, I meet with Josh James, the owner of Ocean Beach Cafe, a growing destination spot in San Francisco, created through heart and passion, as well as building the largest non-alcoholic selection in the world. Josh shares about his travels as a career bartender from his early days in Hawaii throughout U.S. cities like San Francisco and New York, and deciding to go to a Native American rehab called the Friendship House. One of the twists in this episode is that I literally lost power in our interview during a storm, so part of this conversation was recorded on my cell phone. Josh and I were able to laugh about it, making this episode one of the most victorious to finish. Here's my conversation with Josh. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing all right. This is Sunday. This is the last day of the week before I am uh, closed for business on Mondays. So this is the big, the big Sundays. Yes, part of the the come down from the week. So it's a processing time. So thank you so much for meeting with me to share your story with our listeners at the Creative Sober. Um, our focus is around, you know, just being uh, or hearing folks who are creating unique experiences through their uh, sober journey. And yours touched me and actually early sobriety um, when I came across you with uh, Josh non-alcoholic. And so you would do reviews on beer, any beer. I noticed that you have like a skill set for video and audio that drew me to you and, and I became a fan instantly. So there's buzz around uh, the fact that you've created a space on the West Coast called Ocean Beach Cafe. You know, before we go into that as well, could you tell our viewers a little bit about your backstory, uh, sobriety and um, what you feel comfortable with? Yeah, sure. The doing those no booze reviews was was a part of it because it was something I'd never done before. Um, but with sobriety, and uh, it was one of the things that I took on. Like, oh, I'm going to go make 50 videos and see where it takes me. That same kind of attitude to experiment on on something on on myself. That's where it started too. I was like, I'm going to take a year off drinking. I'm going to see where that takes me. I was a career bartender for 16 years and. I'm 39 now, and I got into restaurants straight out of high school, so at 18, and mm-hmm. I was super into it, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. It was fun, and and I, even early on, I knew I wanted to be a bartender. I got into, I was brewing beer at 19, and I was work, working as a brewmaster's assistant at 20, and yeah. absolutely fascinated uh, with bearing brew for whatever reason. It's just one of those things. I have no idea why, but I was into it. And then I remember seeing this bartender. He just seemed like the coolest guy. And I was like, I love that. And then I, I got a, a chance to be a, a bartender in Alaska when I was 23. And I was like, yeah, this is this is awesome. And moved back to Hawaii, where I'm from. And I lived there on and off for 20 years, working in a whole bunch of different restaurants Moved to Kauai. I was on the North Shore of Kauai and got to bartend at arguably one of the nicest restaurants on the island called Barracuda. 
amazing San Francisco restaurant tour. And I was like, yes, this is it. And had a great mentor there. And it was always lots of drinking and a fun freestyle life. Right. I wanted to take it as a career. And so I moved to San Francisco 11 years ago. I lived here for one year to get in the middle of the the, the bar industry and, and work with mm-hmm. some of the best bartenders in the world. And, and, uh, and I got to do that. So it's really interesting to be back in this city under totally different circumstances. Right. Right. I, I feel you there. I, I personally have some um, history there. Uh, especially in my drinking party days. So <laughs> San Francisco or Hawaii? Uh, San Francisco, but I mean, Hawaii is, you know, the Heineken's in the garage. And then so <laughs> it's a little bit different. But um, you knew at an early age, this is like an industry you wanted to go into and that there was a passion around it. And you started like you're originally from Hawaii, but you were in Alaska by 23 it sounds like you've hopped around pretty early on. When did you actually come to the mainland and like start exploring bartending and, and whatnot? Sure. So I grew up on a Native American reservation on the Oregon-California border. It's a family of seven. There's five kids. And my mom and dad moved all those kids to Hawaii when I was 12. And then went to high school there, got into restaurants on Oahu and lived on in Waimanalo and Kailua and the east side of Oahu. Yeah. Uh, for five or six years. And I lived on the town side and that's where I was working in Honolulu and Waikiki at different bars and restaurants. And then um, I went to Alaska for about six months and then started bartending there. Went back to uh, back to Oahu, was in Kauai for off and on for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then I did travel around a fair amount as a bartender after San Francisco, I went back to Kauai because I wanted to maybe open my own spot or just kind of bring cocktails to, to Kauai and yeah, yeah. open a brewery was always a big dream. And then I did L.A. for a year and then I did Europe for a few months and then I did uh, New York City for two years and uh, worked at some really nice places there. Then I went to Asheville, North Carolina and just caused enough wreckage and <laughs> the DUI and kicked out of a house and 86 from bars and i'm like this is not me man like this has gotta stop for a lot of us it takes a couple times for us to like actually get it like this is a change that i need to do what was it for you that made you make that shift early to mid-30s for me the hangovers got worse it was it was a different kind of an experience uh the benders were happening more often but 33, 34, 35 was like, that's when it just, I could, it just was affecting my brain and the anxiety that the, oh man, the two day hangovers became a yeah. thing. Two days of hang, like bad hangovers. And I could stop for like two weeks at a time and I, I could do that easily enough. I, I didn't have a, a longer commitment. I didn't have a reason to go more than two weeks or three weeks. I would consciously just be like, yeah, this weekend I'm, you know, I'm going to start drinking again. I was also felt like I was intuitively feeling like, oh, the body flushes itself out after a couple few weeks. And little did I know, I ended up getting really into the science of addiction and reading a lot of books on it, which I'll get to in a a little bit more. But I know a lot about alcohol. I can't believe how much I didn't know about its effects on the, the body and the brain. 
Would you care to share some of that information that you found out? Oh, I would love to, because after I learned, I was like, I want to go back to food and beverage people and like, let them know this because those are the circles I was in and it fascinated me. So Asheville, North Carolina, December, 2019 was when I decided to take a year off drinking and I was about a month into it because I was really committed to the one year. My brother was like, well, maybe you should think about going to the Friendship House. That's a Native American-based rehab here in San Francisco. And I know a fair amount about it because he went 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And my little brother brother went about seven or eight years ago. You know, I'm just kind of like, I don't feel like I'm that bad of a case. Right. I'll think about it. So right. I thought about it for about a week. And I was like, you know what? Why not? I got nothing to lose. Like, I don't want to get another bartending job. I want to change up my career. I have nothing to lose by going away, spending some time in this place. Mm-hmm. I'll go. So I applied and um, I got accepted. And then it totally changed my life. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever done. Having that time uh, to really sit with yourself, to learn what a rehab is. I just, once I learned that, I was like, I want to destigmatize rehabs, first of all, because I think everybody should take like two or three months to go away from what they're used to doing, get out of a pattern and do it with some intention Uh to be better to recalibrate and like figure out what you might want to do next. And then to see that that's what the world just kind of went through was like a sort of right. rehab. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Working from home, like right. not going to bars after work. That's a, that's a type of rehab. Let's And let's get a different word. So much like stigma and weight around the word rehab. Yeah, I mean, someone hears that it scares the heck out of them. Then that was where I read those books, like um, In the Mouths of Hungry Ghosts was a good one by Gabor Mate. Blew my mind. And there's so much science in it and learning about addiction and recovery. A couple tidbits I'll just share is like, it is not two or three weeks where your like body and brain flushes out. The brain scans you see at six months are insane. Like six months is a mark and one year. Mm-hmm. And then two years looking mm-hmm. at those brain scans in a book that was life changing for me. I was like, so that's what I have to look forward to is my brain is going to heal that much. It like starts lighting up after one year, your brain's going to light up like Christmas tree and <laughs> your vibe's going to change in a good way. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, as far as the science goes and then someone hits one year, I know for me, it was such a big deal, even just getting there. I would say maybe about 14, 16 months, then I started feeling the shift and then everything just kind of like opened up. And then that's when I got the idea for the creative sober. And I had all of this energy and just creative flow and intention and, and just focus that I just hadn't experienced in such a long time. And so that makes, makes sense how your body does the healing. And then on top of that, You've got that mental and emotional healing that comes after, and you're about to hit two years. So December 19th? Yep, December 2019. So yeah, it's coming up pretty soon. Yeah, how how does that feel? Yeah, it feels feels great. You know, it's so interesting to to see um, Facebook memories and reminders of what was going on a year ago. I was... yeah reviewing non-alcoholic beverages, and I had never done videos before. I'd never 
done anything like that, but I was like, I'll figure it out. It was actually during the rehab. I had one of those moments that like you never forget. One of those big moments that happened in your life. It lasted for like two or three hours and I was laying in bed at the friendship house and it was like, I'm going to review non-alcoholic beverages. I'm going to get a van. I'm going to travel around. I'm going to find out what's out there. And I didn't even know where the non-alcoholic beverage market was. And when I left there after three and a half months, I went and got a athletic brewing company, Run Wild IPA, and I cracked it open and I tried it. And I was like, yes, I knew it. I knew it was going to be that good. Awesome. Let's go. I was in New York at the time. I, I was there for like a few weeks after the Friendship House, but mm-hmm. I decided to go back to San Francisco to stay in a sober living house because I knew if I did that, I would probably wake up every day on my computer focused to do what I was going to do next. And that's exactly what happened. So I landed in a sober living house, not so much because not drinking was difficult, more so because I wanted to see how another program worked and if I was going to help out and change my career to that industry. Mm-hmm. And then it was going to be like a library for me. It was going to be a place for me to be, to literally just focus on what I was going to do next. So I started pouring myself into learning how to sell an item on Amazon and then doing the no booze reviews as Josh, a non-alcoholic, two completely foreign things, 16 hours a day, every day using that six months of sobriety brain and just going full out every day. Yeah. I mean, I definitely saw that as, as far as the content that you produced, um, you were consistent about it. And I don't remember the day, but I got really excited for you when you were, you were showing keys to a cafe that you just, you picked up. There was no like plan for it. It just happened. And just to see, the, the joy and the gratitude as you were you were sharing your story um, mm-hmm. on your account was just really contagious. Could you tell us how that happened for you? <laughs> oh man, you were there for when I got the keys. Yes, that was um, Huge. that video. Man. I'm like, wow, this guy. <laughs> right before that video, um, so it took five or six weeks longer to, uh, to get the lease actually signed than it should have, really. The person who was here before was going to leave the, the, the city and he was not handing me the keys to his place that he had had as a deli for seven years. I was getting the keys from somebody else and I was walking in there not knowing where anything was or mm-hmm. what was in there. I was walking in there for the first time like, where is the breaker box? I have to like turn it on, you know? So that was an amazing moment to walk in there and like shot that video and was like, you're only getting one of these moments. And that is, (laughs) I just, I like, I own this spot and now I got to go clean it and paint it and I got to go build the thing. And, uh, that was a, that was a huge moment. Yeah. I mean, no, we don't get to see behind the scenes, um, just what you show us, but that's, that's a ton of work and you've got to have a lot of passion and drive to do, what you're doing, let alone walking into something that's unknown for the first time and, you know, basically working with what you have and creating the vision that you have for your cafe. Can you tell us like what environment now, or like when someone comes and visits your establishment, like what does someone expect when they um, walk through the doors? It's gone through some evolutionary stages and at 10 months, um, I'll humbly say that I'm I'm quite proud of it. It has a look and feel to it that's really potent and thick. And 
people walk in like, this is really cool. It feels, it's such a good vibe. And we get that compliment multiple times a day. And there's a lot of really inspiring conversations that happen because we're coffee and sandwiches by the beach in a tourist destination. They come in and they see all this alcohol. We happily let them know. So by the way, everything in here is non-alcoholic. It's at a neat stage now because there's been the, the movement is far enough along where people are walking in now with an idea of what this is. Yeah. As opposed to every single customer being like, what? Now they're like, oh, I think I've heard of this, you know, because there's enough articles and marketing right. and these brands are all out there. And so that's what's shifted now. And um, we've got our legs under us a bit. Could do a whole nother podcast on cafe game. Mm-hmm. Cafe oh, Live. Yes. Oh, man. Great. If anybody wants there. To, if anybody <laughs> wants some advice or some uh just some information on that, feel free to reach out to me. I'm I'm happy to share. There's so many non-alcoholic focused places opening all over the world, all over the country that I got some some comments on that too. I'd be happy to share with people. But yeah, it's a hundred hours a week and it's, it's, it's a lot. I, I found that I have that energy and I, I never exercised that because I drank. Yeah. I had a very carefree lifestyle that was super fun and independent and uh, hedonistic, if you will, you know, this yeah. food and beverage all the way. And um, this was my time to see what I was capable of. And um, that's what you learn when you, when you decide to take a year off drinking. I highly recommend it. You are putting in that many hours into your place. Like, what does the staffing look like for you? Like, how do you how do you pick out your team that helps you run your cafe? You know, I, I guess I like to think it's laws of attraction. And um, she's how do you how do you pick out your team? It's like how do you pick out your girlfriend? You know, it's like it, it happens, and hopefully it does. And the constant in the rule is that it always changes too. So you're always mm. training and looking for staff members. Good word of advice is if you get somebody good, make sure you go above and beyond and take extra good care of them because you will constantly having a carousel of employees in this industry. It's really, really tough, especially during a full-on staffing pandemic. That yes. was the most unparalleled staffing issues of all time is what I just went through starting in last March yeah. when I lost a chef and other staff members and like having to figure all that out was like super heavy definitely learned what my limit was during that time march april was um i for the first time i'd ever realized what my limit was for stress and um the amount that i could expend it was very and i loved it because i was like now i know what 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 um what i'm capable of what my limit is for now but yeah that's good to know and and the reason why i asked that because you know, you mentioned that the guests that come into your cafe, you know, notice the vibe and like what you create in there. And one of the things that I, your cafe is known is um, it's called an, an art cafe. What is, what does that exactly mean? Like, do you house <laughs> our art or like what, what does that environment look like? Yeah, that that get that allows us to get away with an eclectic <laughs> selection yeah, of images amongst a bunch of artwork and flowers. <laughs> it a uh, community art cafe is the one is the phrase too that I was using, and um, with community, hospitality, wellness, those are the three words that I came up with after somebody gave me advice that was like, "Come up with your mission, yeah, come up with all your values and 
and then come, what do you got for three words? And I was like, oh, okay. I wrote down 25 things in community, hospitality, and wellness is what came up for me. And then on Google, yeah, the Google, my business listing, it's a community art cafe. And that allows me to get away with a lot of things I like to think. Maybe it's not the most organized. Or, it's pretty homey and cozy. And there's a bunch of art everywhere. So I have several resident artists in here. My dad is a master woodworker. He wouldn't say that, but I will because he's he's done some amazing stuff. And I have several of his large pieces in here. So the woodworking aesthetic is pretty awesome. My niece is an amazing, just talented at birth um, artist. She's got a piece in here. Some photographers are on the wall. Some abstract artists are on the wall. And then we try to keep flowers. Flowers are beautiful. And um, I saw some pictures in your gallery that you bring in musicians too, like live music. The, the fact that I get to do an open mic night in San Francisco, I just feel like for the rest of my life, I just be like, yeah, kids. Back when I was in my late 30s, I did an open <laughs> mic night in San Francisco, and I would be okay with that. I'd be kind of proud of it. And I get to do that right now. And that's been awesome. Just so cool. Every week, it's uh, four to seven. And then I'm I, I'm trying to get as many musicians on the calendar as I can. I just want to keep doing that. And of course, they're always looking for venues. And so we're the newest live music venue yeah. in, um, in the outer Richmond of San Francisco block from the beach. So there's oddly not a lot around us business-wise what was there there were several restaurants but they all closed down and so we just we became the anchor business immediately it was like put a parklet outside 40 foot um seating area outside and a bunch of flowers and plants in there too and we have live music out there and live music inside i got two live music permits one for the outdoors and then one for the indoors i was just gonna ask yeah you're gonna you're gonna be the staple for the block party I can do a block party. Yeah, that would be awesome. I can totally <laughs> see that right on the beach. It sounds like the, your your cafe is eclectic, and what creates the vibe there is including everyone. It's inclusive. You've created a place where folks can feel comfortable, have great conversations. There's art. There's music. And I, I want to talk about the, the any beverages because that's such a huge thing right now. And that, this is the time of year where drinking starts getting really heavy uh, culturally. And so now there's this, this alternative that you can have a, a complex drink or a beer and it doesn't have the alcohol in it. What does what that industry look like for you? Yes, the... Adult non-alcoholic beverage market is insane right now. I can make drinks just like I used to in the in the bar world that I was in because a bunch of new products have come out. Mm -hmm. These products did not exist before and they do now. And there's more and more coming out to where I can be as creative as I want to be. A lot of times you can kind of use them one for one for their alcoholic counterparts. And then there's just new um, non-category things coming out, which is super fun to work with, never existed before. And now that these options and choices are available, where there's new choices, there is movement, and we have a full-on movement happening. Where over half of people don't really care for alcohol anyway, but like social pressures and 
being in groups, being just having seltzer water, diet Coke, all that's out. All that's out. It's all getting pushed out and it's happening in rapid time. The person who was the non-drinker in the group that think corporate dinners and just social groups has now got the most interesting drink at the restaurant when those restaurants get these cocktails in. They aren't mocked. And these aren't mocktails. These are like interesting, undersweet, bitter, complex for for the adult palate that's developing over the last 15, 18 years. And that's what's new and different. And people coming in like, oh my God, I can't believe this. I just came in for a sandwich and I've been drinking seltzer water for 12 years. Like you're telling me that like I can get a a smoky, spicy margarita that has zero, zero, zero alcohol. And I'm like, yeah, and I make a really good one too. And he's just like, oh my God, I'm going to sit down. Uh, thank you for doing this. It's, that's that's the, the best compliment we get here. People are like, thank you for doing this. <laughs> and it's just like, ah, oh, so, so stoked. I, I, I want to try one of those, Josh. I'm in the, and when I come visit in the Bay Area, I'm going to stop in. How do you find these vendors or like these non-alcoholic brands to pull them into the cafe? It's a little bit of both them coming to me and me going to them. And I know I'm a pretty valuable asset because I'm actually talking about their products to customers and letting them taste them all the time. That interactive experience is, and that connection is just so huge. Coming to me just because I'm not, but maybe I'm not putting myself out there as much because I'm like trying not to run out of turkey and like making sure the coffee's stocked. But um, of course, being in these circles, I see what brands are out there and I see what other bottle shops and bars have. And so once, you know, I hear them a couple times and I get to learn a bit more about them and I'm like, oh, I got to get that one. I've seen that one like three times. I got to get it. So I'll reach mm-hmm. out to them. And, but I have like over 50 vendors. What's really difficult about all of this is it's a lot of new brands. Those don't have easy to get distribution. Yeah, They all have a unique story on how to acquire them so do i have to email them do i go to an online wholesaler are they a regular wholesaler do i talk to them directly do i go through this portal how do i pay them do i pay them this way that way this way there's like 50 ways to pay somebody i'll tell you that and so i've had to take all that on and like figure out all that stuff too so it'll get easier as time goes along and then things are more consolidated and Mm -hmm. That's an accessibility issue. Accessibility is a huge one in this industry right now. And that'll get better as we go along. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a feat. Josh, you haven't been open a year, right? Or you're about to come on a year and you have 50 vendors that are connected with you. That's incredible. Congratulations. oh man incredible you're you're a one-man show you know and you're doing all that and thank you so much thank you i got a great support staff like natasha here is just amazing she can go and she just she comes from bar too and uh, Mm. my goodness she's just amazing to have here to just button up all the things around me and i'm well, I, I mean, literally every day I'm trying to see how many things I can get done in a day, all day, every yeah. day, like constantly with that, like that lean forward, 
And it's also the single most frustrating thing. I wish I could just do more things (laughs) and I can't. (laughs) it's like ah the hustle is real the hustle is real and this is going on to run your business and on the back end and then on the flip side of that you're creating these unique experiences for the guests that come into the cafe I've seen the phrase I don't know if it's like the official phrase but so bar yeah do you tell us what a so bar is yeah, so uh, great question. So the Sobar tasting experience is my favorite thing to do here. And that is make a reservation. You can book it through Instagram or the website. It, it takes you to a link and you'll see the calendar where there's slots available. Sign up for a slot. It's $25 per person for an hour. I will taste you on as many things as I comfortably can based on the things that you kind of are into or that you like. It's interactive, educational, and inspiring. And just like all those things you see on Instagram and all those things that you, that you just want to try, but you can't because nobody's doing it in real life. It's like, you can do that here. And I am stoked to do it. <laughs> and I make cocktails at the tables and I pop cans of beer and bottles of wine and sample you in a whole, like, non-alcoholic whiskey and gin and tequila and elixir after elixir and just be like this is what it tastes like and this is what you can do with it the guests that sit down and do it are just like what <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> and i'm just like this is my favorite thing to do so right. like it should be booked out for like months in advance it's like one of the coolest things that's got to be happening in san francisco right now like Come on down, guys, because I, I got some slots open and I'm not going to be able to do it forever, but right, right. it's happening right now. The Sobar tasting experience. And I was going with that word because before December of 2019, I had I was in a three week non drinking moment some earlier time in 2019. And I had written down this propo- proposal for Sobar. So that would have been like first use and trademark wise. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had trademark or like I thought I could get trademark in for Sobar. And then I went through the USPTO to get trademark for it. And then it was taken a little bit too closely to what I'm doing. And so I have um, I'm in the process of trying to figure out what I'm going to do about that. And um, it's a super technical task that is super hard to find lots of time for. and. Um, that's why I haven't gone full on and out with it as much as I could, just because um, I don't know if I'll be spinning my wheels at all if I do. But for right now, it's okay. It's a pretty cool word. I thought I had it first back in the day, but not yeah, quite. it's a pretty dope word because like just 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 the sound of it, it there's like a sophistication to it, and then to hear what kind of experience that you're creating behind it. And then at the same time, you're tapping into what makes you happy, what's your passion and your creativity by creating these experiences. So it's just a really, really cool thing. And I'm so glad that you're doing something like that. And I mean, recently you just you went on tour, like a mini tour around the U.S., like checking out different establishments. How was that for you to see what kind of environments are out there in the U.S.? That was amazing. And that was one of the neatest parts about it is to see what a space feels like when you remove alcohol from the equation. It's amazing to 
go to Awake Denver. I went to Denver. I went to Austin. I went to New York City. And Awake is in Denver. And he's started out as a cafe. So he's a cafe, non-alcoholic bar, just like me. Billy, what's up, buddy? So cool to get to hang out with him and just sit down and just like go over it. We got some really neat footage. So I brought a cameraman with me and I wanted to stop by as many non-alcoholic beverage focused places in the country as I could to shoot um, one of a few things or maybe a couple of them. And that is, it can be a documentary. Mm-hmm. We've got enough enough footage for it. We have about 16 interviews with bottle shop owners, non-alcoholic bars, producers, and several other things um, that we can use. The, the other thing that it could be for is a non-alcoholic beverage traveling show. Like, isn't that the dream? It's be like, what could you do? What would you like to do when you grow up? It'd be like, I would love to like walk, go travel around and eat food and beverage and talk about it on a traveling show it's like hell yeah especially in this subject oh this is the subject of our time there's a massive shift in drinking culture it needs to be shot and edited and episodes of it so people can see talking to these producers and movers and shakers out there is just so exciting it's really really good stuff and i just I would love to be able to go to more and more. And this is a worldwide thing. The, the possibilities are endless and it's super exciting and fun. So that's, that, that, that'd be some good TV. I'm, I'm smiling from ear to ear. Why don't we have that already? That would be so cool, Josh. The lease is three years. So I committed to three years, but uh, <laughs> It was funny um, that that smiling from ear to ear. Uh, so, is what the listeners may not know is is the the power went down <laughs> at your house, and yes. and we are doing whatever it takes because we are going to finish this. So, if there's a little bit of clip up on on her side, she's <laughs> she doesn't have Wi Fi either. So, but we're, we're that's where we're at right now. <laughs> And, and, and the, reason I, the reason I bring it up is because the last thing I saw was like a literal, like the hugest smile ever just frozen on, on our screen. And I was like, and then I was like, Oh wait, she's, she's not, she's, she's still smiling exactly the same. <laughs> and then afterwards you bring up about, smiling from here to here and i was like i know what that looks like and we're peeking on that and like boom like <laughs> no no <laughs> i'm smiling ear to ear because i'm excited about now there's this huge movement where it's fun it's colorful i get excited when i can bring a six-pack or you know some type of drink that's non-alcoholic to like my friend's house or like a dinner and you know, here's this cool thing. And and then bringing awareness to folks who don't even know that this exists. So if this is something that it come to mainstream, like a TV show, I'm like on board for that. Yes. One thing I say a lot here is there's people that come in and get a whole bunch of stuff and they're so excited. And I, Mm-hmm. And one of the sentences I'll say is I'll be like, now you have the most interesting drinks in the room. Yeah. 
Josh, now that you have experience in recovery and the NA world, what could you share with someone who's in recovery, but curious, but also anxious about exploring non-alcoholic options? For me personally, and this is very individual to me, um, it is the most amazing thing that could ever happen because what I absolutely loved and was passionate about was like my own specific style of bartending and sharing things with people in the bar world. I get to do all of that in the non-alcoholic beverage world. So for me, it's just like, oh, I, I feel so fortunate that I get to do this. One mm-hmm. thing I say every single day, multiple times a day, is that these beverages are also not necessarily for everybody in active recovery or significant recovery. And I know that because I lived in two different AA houses for nine months and could see, like, yeah, that's not necessarily for that person, you know. There's mm-hmm. different kinds of... Everybody has such a different story. And that's one thing I've seen that's, I mean, I'm just going to own this statement and that everybody has such a different story with what triggers them and what their journey was like in recovery and addiction. It's just so different. And your mindset, oh my God, it's all about mindset. And everybody has a different one because they have different experiences. So it's not necessarily for everybody and that's okay. And, um, I just make it very clear that I, I fully understand that. And uh, I also say that that's, that's kind of the minority on the spectrum. There is 100 million people out there right now that are stoked that there's choices. And it's really tens of millions of people at the same time curbing alcohol. And I believe that that collective consciousness is it kind of almost like takes some of the pressure off of like, when everybody's doing it, it's not so much like, oh, I'm in the doghouse. Like, I can't drink anymore. I lost those privileges. It's like, yeah. no, everybody's doing it. And like, this is wellness. That's the age that we're in. In the age when like CBD became a thing and new tropics and mm-hmm. adaptogenics and brain hacking and, you know, optimizing your brain and all that stuff came about. People care about it, counting calories, going vegan, all that stuff. It's all happening right now. So it's all this collective consciousness of just like being healthier. That's what this is. Like, go for it. Yeah. I I gravitate in that same place where it is a, it is a movement uh, and a shift for, I love it. Like you just nailed it, the conscious collective and just in looking at wellness and what that looks like as a whole. And the fact that non-alcoholic beverages are out there, it's providing option. And I think that's a really cool space to be in. We're doing the things and we're putting in the work. And uh, this this is a good thing. I'm so stoked you put this together. Thank you. Absolutely, Josh. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope we can speak again soon. Josh is a cool guy and his enthusiasm for any beverages lights up any room. I can definitely share in those NA vibes. If you like what you heard in this episode, please rate and review. Your feedback makes a difference and helps us connect with others who can find strength in our stories. Please be sure to subscribe or follow where you are listening to this podcast. You can follow us on social on Instagram at the creative silver. Thank you for listening to the Creative Sober Podcast. I am your host, Missing May. Until next time, stay healthy, stay creative.